0: What's up, Thunder fans? Welcome to the inaugural. Uh, I guess we're just going to call this the OKC82 podcast. Uh, my name is Brady Trantham. You may remember me from other Thunder outlets uh, like Thunder Digest. I've been with the franchise since about April and it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot more stuff that I've needed to learn. Um, I'm really excited to get to cover the Thunder for everybody, um, for the franchise, and to give you guys content this season. I'm really excited. Um, But, yeah, I basically started off as a blog boy, and now I am a little bit more professional than I was a few weeks ago. So I'm excited for that. But with me on all these, like the idea is just to do an all that's called OKC82 because we want to do a podcast after every single um, Thunder game, home or road. Um, And, yeah, we'll probably put some stuff in between just in case, like, you know, there's a trade deadline or like there's an injury or what have you. Any type of big news, we'll, we'll be sure to put out as much podcast content for you guys to devour and to have fun with. Um, So that's the idea. And obviously this one, season hasn't started yet. Training camp is still over a month and a half away, I believe. Um, But Vegas did release their projections for uh, the Western Conference, so that's what uh, today's show is going to be all about. But I kind of talked about myself. Uh, like I said earlier, Madison Morris will be joining me, uh, the awesome Madison Morris, who's taught me a lot here in the few weeks and months that I've been here. But uh, Madison, go ahead and just uh, tell everybody what you're all about, what, where you come from, and just so people can get to know you a little bit better.
1: All right. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Madison Morris. I've been with the franchise a little over a year now. I started started off as an intern going into my final year of college at Oklahoma State. I majored in multimedia journalism, so I really just wanted to get into sports, get into media. I love the whole idea of video editing and just talking about things going on in the media world. I just, I'm just, i just a big nerd when it comes to that stuff. So I did start out of the franchise. I love everything about radio, so... It's just an honor to be here, and I love getting to work with Brady. So, yeah.
0: And she does a hell of a Mike Gundy impersonation. She just showed oh, me yeah. an hour ago. It was really awesome. <laughs> so. you no, know,
1: I was uh, I was on the Palm team at OSU for four years. So we actually got to be around Mike a lot. And so I kind of uh, picked up on some of his little quirks and how uh, – Interesting, he is around people. I think
0: I think people that would know me personally would probably say that I was on the unofficial palm team for OU football. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, we have like a little bit of a bedlam angle with this podcast too. So we'll we'll be sure to kind of throw some some of those kind of ou OSU nuggets in here for the state fans that will listen to this podcast that also follow the thunder. We'll hopefully you guys enjoy that as well. Um, but yeah, like I said, this is going to be an all eighty two podcast. Um, it's going to be free. So, uh, I know there are some shows out there that you have to pay to listen to, but luckily, Not ours. Yeah, luckily for you guys, this is all free. So uh, I hope you guys get, um, get, get to jump on early and enjoy it. Um, i going to be a lot of fun for me. I haven't done a podcast since, uh, Uh, my own podcast, uh, Peak and Roll, on Thunder Digest since I was working with them. So it's fun to kind of get back into this. We're actually in a studio and not in my parents' basement. So that's uh, that's a big step up. Uh, The lights are really bright and they're shining in my eyes. Um, But, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We'll put this out on, I'm sure, multiple outlets. Um, We're still trying to figure out, like, how to, like, basically do this from the ground up. Uh, You know, just podcast apps on your phone youtube there's just so much out there it's kind of overwhelming but madison is the brains behind all that oh gosh (laughs) i don't know about
1: that um yeah we're starting to get some video logistics kind of set up so we can give you guys a visual to go with it right now it will just be audio but i mean i think we're both pretty opinionated people and i i'd listen to us
0: (laughs) and uh i mean we're not going to do much editing on this first show i mean this show is basically to uh Try and see what we need to edit, what what we what we need to fix. Uh, so you're going to be sitting through. You know, we're 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 pretty good at this stuff, but uh, we're not perfect. So the the whole point of this first show is to figure out what we need to do. And like Madison was saying, we will be adding a visual medium to this. We'll have a video cameras recording us, so you can have a little bit more fun and uh, devour the content that way. But. Um, Yeah, like I said at the beginning of the show, this this episode is going to basically focus on the Western Conference win totals from uh, LV Superbook uh, that tweeted out uh, yesterday, which had the Warriors going number 1 in the West, uh, to no one's surprise, at 62.5 wins, and uh, all the way at the bottom will be the Sacramento Kings with 25.5 wins, so there's no push because everybody has a half win, so it's either over or under. And Madison and I are just going Mm-mm. to go through the um, – I guess from the bottom up because mm-hmm. we want you guys to listen to the whole show and not just the thunder <laughs> and then turn it off. So, um, yeah, Sacramento. Let's just kind of hit the hit the ground running with Sacramento. Um, and I pulled these starting – like the starting fives that we're going to mention are from a Bleacher Report article that dropped I believe yesterday or the day before. It's pretty good. They basically um, – the writer just goes through and puts, puts down his projected starting five for um, – every team out there and he ranks them. I believe the Thunder were in the top six or seven. I can't remember um, if I uh, can't remember exactly. Um, but it's kind of just a helpful tool for us. So we'll be using that. And then like, of course our opinions will kind of, our our opinions are our own, but with Sacramento, they have a starting five projected as De'Aaron Fox at the point guard position, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich at uh, shooting guard, uh, Justin Jackson, uh, Marvin Bagley, the third rookie out of Duke um, at the power forward spot, and then center uh, Willie Cauley-Stein. And, you know, this is this is the Sacramento. Um, they have a lot of youth and a lot of athleticism. Uh, there's a lot of excitement with the players on that starting five and even uh, the local angle with Buddy Heald, who brings excitement from uh, the perimeter. But at the end of the day, they're one of the few teams in the NBA and especially one of the few teams in the West that did really – Improve that much. I mean, the West is a complete gauntlet and always has been for the last, you know, 10 years or so. But Sacramento just kind of remains to be this franchise that will basically draft some nice talent, not develop much, and then they trade them off, trade them away, and they become nice little role players here and there. They become stars because they are stars like Boogie Cousins. So, I mean, Madison, I don't really know what to expect from this team other than they're exciting and they can probably destroy. You know, a team like Houston or Golden State mm-hmm. on a good night when their shot is falling. But you know, with Fox, you don't have a good shooter. Uh, Bogdan Bonjanovic, not a very good shooter. Uh, Muli Coly Stein. <laughs> he said this last year. He like he thinks that his game is modeled after Chris Porzingis. Well, maybe mm-hmm. down low, <laughs> but certainly not from the perimeter. So, I mean, I don't know. Do you are you buying kind of some Sacramento like what little Sacramento hype there is?
1: I, got, I don't really know what to think when it comes to the Kings because there were a couple games last year, kind of like you were, what you were just saying, how they might come out and surprise us when it comes to teams like Houston or Golden State. But they were playing the Thunder at one point in Sacramento and they were doing pretty well. And there was a time that we were down, and I don't know. I think Sacramento is one of those teams that is going to surprise you if they have a good night. But I also think that they're gonna they're gonna struggle a little bit. And what do you – I don't know what to make of, like, Buddy Heald continuing to come off the bench. Do you ever see him as a potential starter for Sacramento or I, I've what? Always, I've
0: always thought I've always thought Buddy Heald's um, – his ceiling is if he gets away from Sacramento, he can be a great sixth man on mm-hmm. a, a title contending team. Like, he would be a sixth man of the year caliber player if he was playing for Houston or if he was playing for Philadelphia. Like, that would be really exciting to see. Um, he just doesn 't necessarily have the ball handling skills to create his own shot um, he he 's really good off the drill he 's really good at coming off screens I mean he shot forty three percent from three last year and a fifty four percent effective field goal percentage mm-hmm. uh, you know that's that 's really, really those are really really good numbers but it 's just it just usually comes down to buddy not being able to create his own shot but um, i think he I think he fits well for Sacramento coming off the bench even still I think putting him in the starting lineup would be a little overkill considering mm-hmm. Sacramento doesn't necessarily have that much to be excited for. But like you were saying, they have the talent and the athleticism to beat better teams mm-hmm. on nights where their shots are falling or their opponent kind of comes in just lackadaisical. And the Thunder certainly did that a lot, but um, 25 and a half wins sounds, sounds okay. I mean, once you get down to that, to that part of the, um, the tier of the Western conference, does it really matter?
1: <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Like, 25 and a half, it makes sense for the Kings, but I almost want them to do better. So it's almost like I expect them to go over that if we're playing over or under right now. Yeah. I would say maybe over, but m- maybe like 26 or 27. I still don't think they're going to get more wins than the Suns just with the new additions that Phoenix has had. But um, I don't know. I don't know about the Kings this year. I yeah. think it, they're going to struggle.
0: Yeah, and like, I, like there's... 15 teams, so I don't want to focus too much on the Kings. But I will say, I I, I really think that they screwed up not taking Doncic. And, yeah. I mean, you could say that about Phoenix. You can say that about Sacramento as well. And some people, a lot of people, are even saying that about Atlanta when they made that trade to trade down in the draft to get Trey Young mm-hmm. from OU. Um, I, I just, I get why De'Aaron Fox is exciting. He's... Like a poor man's Russell Westbrook in some respects. and He's
1: extremely energetic.
0: He's extremely energetic. Yeah. He's incredibly fast. He's a, um, a really good athlete mm-hmm. and can get to the basket at will at times. But in the same respect, like he's like a poor man's Russell Westbrook, is that he can't shoot the three. But, and I will give Russ credit, Russ has a great mid range game. De'Aaron hasn't exactly, I guess, developed that yet. Yeah. That could come. But, you know, I've always had this opinion about basketball players. And I know people could point to, like, individual situations where the opposite happened, like Danny Green. When Danny Green was with Indiana, I believe Indiana, could not get the ball in the the hoop. Then he goes to to San Antonio, gets with their shooting doctor, and becomes a great one of the premier 3 and D guys in the NBA. But typically, if you can't shoot, you can't just – you're not going to learn how. Right. And so my thing with De'Aaron Fox is – He's extremely athletic and extremely exciting. You don't want to take him out of your starting five, but if you, if you get Doncic, who's a great passer, I think that would have been a really It'd intriguing, been more ideal, yeah, a really especially for this
1: team that needs something.
0: Yeah, and with Marvin Bagley, we've seen the Kings have great post play with uh, Boogie Cousins. Mm-hmm. Let's just say Marvin Bagley's ceiling is Boogie Cousins, and he becomes that type of player. Well, we've already seen Sacramento with a player like that. They're still not anywhere near a playoff team and they're always a lottery team so again 25 26 27 it doesn't really matter they're still the kings that's true
1: let's move on to the suns
0: yeah if you want to take this on go ahead
1: all right so the projecting starting five for the suns at point guard we got brandon knight shooting guard devin booker i'm i'm actually really excited to see devin booker this year um let's see small forward josh jackson Josh Jackson? Josh, Josh Jackson?
0: The afro list. Josh Jackson. Oh, I didn't, yeah. I didn't recognize him at Summer League.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, power forward, Trevor Ariza. And center, you, of course, have DeAndre Ayton, who I think a lot of people are excited to see this year, especially me. I think yeah. he's going to be really impressive.
0: Yeah, watching. I got to watch uh, two Phoenix games down in Summer League in Vegas a few weeks ago. And, I mean, he's every bit as like his measurables there it's all true he he made Mo Bamba Mo Bamba's more tall and lanky than he is kind of a big body he's very lanky very lanky but he still made Mo Bamba look like a shooting guard just whenever they uh, d up on each other oh this
1: kid's huge uh, yeah Aiton
0: is is he's huge, huge. Uh, but like my kind of my thing uh, uh coming into the draft um where I thought I thought Phoenix was going to take Donchish just because their coach Igor um and I'm going to Kill his name Kokoskov. Kokoskov? Kokoskov.
1: sounds very um
0: he coached Doncic overseas and I thought that, that was just kind of like the the Suns basically kind of setting that up to facilitate drafting Doncic and I feel like like I said with Sacramento if they um for him passing on Doncic having a point guard like that with Devin Booker coming off screens, going into the corner and being able to just play off the ball and just focus on shooting. Mm -hmm. I think that that just makes so much sense. But for some reason, GMs are still in love with bigs and centers like they have been since going back to the, you know, the early days of the NBA. Um, But what I saw with DeAndre outside of his physicality, slow feet didn't really run back um, when he wouldn't get a rebound or get, wouldn't get a call. That always, that always concerns me with bigs because you know, going back to AAU, high school and even in college, a lot of these guys that are as big as DeAndre, they could just get by on their physicality alone mm-hmm. and you can't do that in the NBA because no. you're going up against guys who in Steven Adams who you know, he's tall and he's big, but you put him up against DeAndre Ayton and you think, okay, Ayton's gonna eat him alive, but Steven is so and physical. Steven's strong. Yeah, Steven's strong, strong and physical that it's going to basically be a a wake-up call for DeAndre, and then you have centers like Porzingis when he's able to come back um, from his ACL tear that can stretch the floor, and that's going to be a, a, another eye-opener for Aiton. So, um, kind of an, I, I think, a mistake, but um, I do like. I kind of like what they're doing by bringing in Trevor Ariza. That's another veteran presence that they desperately need on this team. This
1: team's pretty young, right?
0: They're still young. I think yeah. I think they're, the average age is like still 24, 26, anywhere oh, from geez. that range. I mean, Booker just turned 21. <laughs> so he's still a young pup. Uh, but this team... Uh, it's weird because they're going to win around the same games as Sacramento, mm-hmm. but I feel much better about this team than I, and their trajectory than I do Sacramento.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I like this note you had right here, Aiton is huge, but a tad slow. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, I feel like that's a very recurring problem with centers right now. People that are huge, but they can't move up and down the court fast enough, so they can't get to where they need to get. They can't be posted and they can't be ready and they need to be able to maul people over. Steven Adams is really good at doing that. Mm-hmm. He's a tad slow too, but not not in the sense that we're talking right now.
0: Well, there, there's multiple ways that you can be a stretch five. Um, I, would, I would never say that Steven Adams is a stretch five offensively, no. but I feel like he's a stretch five in terms of defense. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like... If he gets switched on to a shooting guard or a point guard, you can at least, as Billy Donovan as a head coach, you can live with that matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not the best thing in the world, but Stephen Adams is at least athletic enough to Super athletic. be able to yeah. switch on to a, a smaller guard and hold his own. Uh, that's going to be the question with Aiton because, I mean, when I'd watch his tape, I would think DeMarcus Cousins. And what's the thing about DeMarcus Cousins? Great offensive talent. Um, DeMarcus can stretch the floor. He's able to um, knock down a few threes here and there. But he's a defensive liability and can't finish games, and that's going to mm-hmm. be something that Phoenix is going to have to figure out how they can develop. Um, if they can and DeAndre becomes a star player you know, in year one, year two, year three, then Phoenix has a very good core of players. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to happen, and this is Phoenix. They haven't been relevant. I mean, I, I know they went to the playoffs like three or four years ago but they haven't been relevant since no. Steve Nash days. So
1: <laughs> The good old days. Yeah. All right. Um, Move you, on to Dallas if you want.
0: Yeah, Dallas. Uh, let's see. They're projected at 34 and a half wins. I'm going to go ahead and say I'll take the over on that. I'm
1: going to take the over on that.
0: Yeah, because Carlisle doesn't like to lose. Um, I know, Um, what's his name, Cuban. <laughs> I know Mark Cuban likes to uh, basically play for smarts in that, okay, if we can make the playoffs, great, go for it if we're not going to then tank and get a high draft pick mm-hmm. and they are the ones that ended up with Luka Doncic every every smart nba fans favorite draft pick coming out of um into the draft um but they went ahead and got DeAndre Jordan in free agency finally after uh, that fiasco a few years ago when Blake Griffin and Chris Paul locked him into his house apparently <laughs> um yeah this will be Dirk Nowitzki's last year uh, I know it's that's sad. It's sad. I, I actually went to the uh, Thunder Mavericks game in Dallas last year. In the Dallas. game where the Thunder were uh, able to pull out a victory in overtime. Mm-hmm. And I remember a lot of uh, Dallas reporters asked Russell Westbrook because they thought at the time this was going to be Dirk's last year. So, what do you think about mm-hmm. you know this being Dirk's last year and all those battles that the Thunder and you. Had against him, and Russell was like really awesome and said a lot of great, um, great things about him um, on and on and off the record. It was really cool to see, but now it's kind of awkward because now he's coming back for another swan song. <laughs> um, I can never say no to seeing Dirk Nowitzki out there, even though he's it looks like he's pulling a trailer half the time. He's yeah. <laughs> running up and down the floor. It's still kind of cool to see. Uh, but uh, the starting five, the roster, and just the trajectory of the team is really off-balance because I'm not yeah. necessarily sure what they are trying to do. Because like I said at the beginning, I don't know if they should tank. I don't know if they should gun for the eighth seed. I think they have the ability to do both. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. is an incredibly exciting player. Mm-hmm. Um, he reminds a lot of people of Russell Westbrook as well uh, for the obvious reasons. Um, he seems like a guy that can, sh- like, as he develops, if he's able to develop, can shoulder the load for a franchise like Dallas. Uh, the fan base is certainly behind him, and him and Doncic is going to be interesting. I feel like I've said Doncic's name like 10 times now, so take a shot every time I say his name. <laughs> I think uh,
1: Dallas fans are really excited
0: for this kid, though. Yeah, I mean, a lot, like, like I said— I would be. It, yeah, a lot of smart, quote-unquote smart NBA people, NBA fans love Doncic, and they feel like that Dallas came off on the winning end and mm-hmm. will come off on the winning end of that Trey Young for Doncic trade uh, with Atlanta— I just don't know how that's going to work with that dynamic of Dennis Smith Jr. Just because If Dennis Smith didn't blow up like he did last year, I feel like it would be a better mesh. Mm-hmm. But because Dennis basically proved to himself and to other people that he can shoulder the load and that he can be a franchise guy going um, down the road, I just don't know how you're going to be able to have a high-volume point guard with a guy in Doncic who works really well off the ball but works better with the ball in his hands. Yeah. It's just one of those cases where there's not enough basketballs to go around, but what do I know?
1: No, I know. And what do you think about Dirk and DeAndre on the court together? I feel like that's a lot of big out there, but
0: it's a lot of big, but Dirk's not gonna I mean Dirk's not gonna play that much. I mean yeah, he played what fifteen to twenty minutes a night, and they'll shut him down a lot. Yeah. But I I'm pretty much assuming that this is like the official swan song for Dirk, so I guess they're going to basically st- start him i mean he, he'll he probably come off the bench but they'll basically put him in a lot of situations so that opposing fan bases can kind of see him off just mm-hmm. kind of like kobe swan song here yeah uh, where, yeah um, a lot of fans got to say goodbye to kobe even though fans probably didn't want to say goodbye to kobe because they didn't really care for him uh but yeah um 34 and a half seems fair as a prediction but because of the way carlisle likes to coach because of the way Dennis Smith plays, uh, Harrison Barnes is a good player as well. They have the talent to gun for the eight seed. And it just really depends on what other teams ahead of them projected do. Like if, there's inj- if there are injuries, if teams like Denver and Portland or New Orleans aren't as good as they're projected to be, then that certainly opens the door for Dallas. But, I mean, do you see an eight seed in their future or another mm. lottery team?
1: Honestly, I'm not sure. I personally would love to see Dallas do better than they did last year. Just because, I don't know, Dallas, they just they just do something for me. And I would love to see them get a little higher than this 34.5 wins. But I guess only time will tell.
0: Yes, yeah, sadly, we're still, I mean, we're still like a month away from college football starting, and then we have to go through, oh, go through. I mean, I love college football, so uh, we'll have to, we'll with. have a, we'll have a month of college football, and then training camp preseason will start. We'll have better ideas of how these teams will shape up then. But again, this is just, this is trial. This is, uh, us wanting to talk about basketball, so we're throwing this out I'm there for you guys. Just it out, and because we've spent that so much time on these, you know, first initial teams, don't worry, we've got some more teams coming ahead that we will probably spend two to three minutes on. Yeah. Like because Memphis, I don't uh, really
1: want to talk about Memphis that much. <laughs> Let's be honest.
0: Um, I mean, I will say Jaron Jackson at Summer League, really exciting player. I feel like can be that good transition player from the Zach Randolph, uh, Mark Gasol days when it was grit and grind. Um, I mean, they even added Jevin, uh, Javon Carter from West Virginia, that point guard that famously shut down Trey Young. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, perfect fit. One of those players, just kind of like Grayson Allen going to Utah, just one of those players that perfectly fits the franchise he's going to out of college. Um, I mean, Memphis, it really depends on in- like on health. I mean, is Mike Conley going to be the same Mike Conley he was before the um, injury? Uh, Mark Gasol really fell off the face of the earth, but if, if, you know, Conley is able to come back and shoulder a little bit more of the load. Maybe Gasol doesn't have that much of pre- that much of a burden and pressure mm-hmm. to uh, uh, perform on a night-in, night-out basis, and he's able to balance that out a little bit. But, yeah, like you said, I don't really want to talk about Memphis that much either because they don't really do much for me other than Jaron Jackson and then what Mike Conley shows up.
1: I hope there's more excitement surrounding them as the season gets started for their sake. I really do.
0: Just from our end, yeah, because they seem to play the Thunder like eight nine ten times a they year. were in <laughs>
1: chesapeake every time i turned around last season i swear so hopefully there's something more to talk about when it comes to them
0: yeah and they randomly added kyle anderson at uh, aka slovo <laughs> from uh san antonio which is eh what you gonna <laughs> <do>? <laughs> moving on
1: moving on to los angeles go ahead matt take it away all right so the starting five for the clippers at point guard we have patrick beverly everybody's
0: favorite patrick beverly oh we love patrick beverly
1: shooting guard avery bradley Small forward – I'm going to butcher this. Daniello Gallinari. Daniello Gallinari. That's a name. Uh, power forward, Tobias Harris, and center – is it Marcin? Marcin Gortat. Marcin Gortat. Yeah. Brady's a lot better at pronouncing things than I am.
0: Because all I do is watch sports.
1: I should probably I, watch that
0: more. I have no life. <laughs> <laughs> um. LA is one of those teams, kind of like Dallas, in that I'm not sure what they're trying to do. They don't have any stars anymore. Uh, the Clippers. They're just
1: not exciting anymore.
0: And especially with LeBron going to LA, like that window of the Clippers being the, the team in LA is gone. It's, it's completely it closed. Shut. It's over. Um, really sad because those teams were exciting with uh, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, JJ Redick. Those teams were exciting. Uh, They just seemed to run into teams at the wrong times. They ran into Mm -hmm. the Thunder. They ran into Houston when they were um, getting a lot better. Um, Could never really reach their potential. But now, you know, you got two players in Gallinari and Tobias Harris who are proven NBA players who can score, who can, I guess, take the brunt of the scoring for a team. But, I mean, I kind of put it down in the notes. I kind of see them as secondary options. I Mm -hmm. don't really see them as first options. And because of that, I don't really know what L.A. is trying to do. They're on that – just like Dallas, they're on that cusp of – I mean, they could gun for an eight seed. And last year they were playing for the eight seed. Uh, They missed it in the last week or so, Mm -hmm. I believe. Um, And because of that, I I think they – I don't think they have any – I could be totally wrong about this. I don't think they have any first-round picks next year. Um, but, so because of that I'm not 100% sure what they want to do.
1: Right, well, I think the starting five needs to be fantastic because what is what is Los Angeles's bench? Like do they have well, anything super? they exciting? added,
0: added Lucmba Mute, which um, oh. which did more to say to criticize Houston than it did to positively review LA because I mean Mutemba uh, Mute just, just gonna be there for a year mm. and we don't know like the health status of him going into this season. Uh, it did more, like I said, against Houston because Houston's, you know, they're going to add Carmelo. <sighs> I'm sorry. Like, you don't, like, <laughs> I know Houston's a great offensive team and a lot of it relies on isolation, but they were still a good ball movement team and they had to rely on Trevor Reza and Mbamute to basically clean up on the, on the perimeter for defense because James Harden's not a good defender. Clint Capella... Um, is a capable defender, but he's still young and still raw. Chris Paul um, is a good defender in terms of getting steals, but when he goes up against the other great point guards in the West, uh, he usually gets checked pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'm talking about Houston. I mean, this kind of tells you what we need to know about L.A., uh, the Clippers going forward, because there's not that much excitement. They don't have any stars, and... I mean...
1: That just sucks. This franchise was actually pretty exciting yeah. at one point.
0: I mean, 34 and a half. Sounds about right. It sounds right. Um, I, I've yet to see, like, any surprise teams. Yeah. I mean, I, mean. I guess you could kind of consider Dallas one of our surprise teams, but, I mean, a lot of people were trying to jump on that bandwagon before it starts. So, I mean, whatever. Yeah, I mean, nice after scene. let's see. After the Clippers, we've got the Trailblazers who are projected to win 45, 41 and a half games, and this is a skyfall from the team that that uh, got the third seed out in the West. Um, I have some opinions on them, but uh, I mean, just go ahead, Madison, just share yours first. Well, no, yeah. I was
1: going to say exactly what you just said. This just really shocks me for a team that was at number 3 in the West at one point, and they were good, and then they got in the playoffs and just got swept, or swept. I don't have one of those. Programmer, whatever it is. <laughs> I didn't go to school or anything, but hey, you went to OSU. Oh, that's not even funny. <laughs> but they got swept and they got completely knocked out right away, and that was not what I was expecting at all.
0: Yeah, I'm. I have this weird, I had this weird opinion about teams that go on winning streaks towards the end, of, like basically from the end of January on. Teams that are around 500 or just below 500, and then they go on a streak of winning like 14 of their like 14 of 20. Or twenty five of like the remaining thirty two games or whatever, teams like that, you know, they garner a lot of momentum. They garner a, like they they either get a high seed because the West was kind of a log jam in mm-hmm. the middle. Um, they they get a lot of momentum uh, by getting into the playoffs, getting a high seed in the playoffs, or they just miss it and people like Denver and people just assume, oh, okay, well they're going to ride that wave of momentum going into next year. The reason why a lot of these teams win those games is because they're playing teams that are tanking, and it, like half the league was tanking last year. That's so, true. Yeah, and especially in, like the point is is like from late January on, that's a right around All Star break, and that's when teams kind of officially decide, okay, screw it, we're tanking. Mm-hmm. Um, so you garner a lot of wins over trash teams that are just aren't trying. And then you garner some wins over teams that are kind of around you or a little bit better that are just coasting to get into the playoffs because they don't want to get anybody injured or um, tired going into the postseason. So teams like Portland, Denver, and the Lakers, Mm -hmm. um, although the Lakers have LeBron, so that's a completely different story. But these three teams that garnered a lot of wins going into the end of the regular season, I'm not really buying a lot of stock in them. Now, Portland, you know they do have Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, proven scorers, but, you know, like we saw in the postseason last year, New Orleans just put the film out there of how to beat them. Just stop them and let Nurkic, um, let Harkless, Afrika um God, their rookie, I can't remember their rookie last year. Was it Tyler Collins? Tyler Collins? Zach Collins. Zach Collins. Mm-hmm. Let those guys try and beat you, and they just didn't have the firepower to score. No. And New Orleans was able to pick them apart. Yeah. Um, Finesse teams, especially like everything that I said, finesse team, uh, you add on that they're a finesse team. it doesn't really excite me, but again, regular season is all about rhythm and fi- finding teams on bad nights. Um, and f- Portland is definitely a team that can exploit you know teams coming in um, lackadaisical like the Thunder did a lot last year, and getting a lot of wins. so I want to say, like this will be my little hot take. I don't think Portland's making the playoffs <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly That is a hot take. I mean, I agree with you in that sense because I really like what you said about kind of coasting through the last part of the season. I don't think they were ready for playoffs when they got there, and that's why they didn't do it very well at all, and I think they had had a pretty easy end of the end of the season. And so they went in and they just weren't ready. And I think they were really high on their horse thinking, oh, we're good. We got this.
0: Uh, I think there was a I think there was a level of not taking New Orleans seriously. Yeah. Because like, I don't know if you listen to CJ McCollum's uh, podcast, but I know I, need lo- to. I know a lot of people are probably listening to it now after the whole Kevin Durant fiasco last week. Talk about a hot take. But um, I listened to it, I've listened to his podcast for the last few months and He'll randomly talk about that series, and you can just hear it in his tone. You can hear it in some of the things he says. I I don't, I don't. just don't think Portland took New Orleans that seriously. And they got punched in the mouth with that early uh, um, Game 1 loss in Portland, and I think it kind of shell-shocked them, and they weren't really prepared uh, depth-wise. Um, there was some but,
1: animosity on the court, too. Yeah. I saw some tensions flare.
0: But, you know, again, I don't think Portland's going to make the playoffs because I think they're bad. I just... The other big question is: Is is San Antonio going to make the playoffs? I'm never going to count out Popovich. I'm never going to count out San Antonio. Too scared to count until I see it. And if San Antonio makes it, they're either going to be the seventh or the eighth seed. So that's one spot taken. And then you have to fill in the other seed with Minnesota, uh, Denver, um, Dallas. Like we said, could be a team. Uh, New Orleans. You know, four teams. That could potentially take Portland's spot, and those mm-hmm. four teams I feel are either developing at a better rate than Portland or are better already. No,
1: I agree with that. Yeah, I really do.
0: So yeah, I guess that'll be our that'll be at least my hot take for this show. Is uh, at this at this moment on August sixth, twenty eighteen, in the year of our Lord, I don't think Portland is going to make the playoffs.
1: It's four ten in the afternoon. <laughs> Write yes. it down, people.
0: And speaking of San Antonio. San Antonio Spurs the Spurs, who rid themselves of the uh, of the sore that is Kawhi Leonard all of a sudden and I think came out really well on this trade by adding DeMar DeRozan now Mm -hmm. the now the contract numbers that's going to be that's going to be a headache for San Antonio moving forward but DeMar DeRozan for all his uh, I guess faults a lot of a lot of uh, fans and media don't really like him because he's a mid-range guy uh, he's a poor man's Kobe. Uh, if, if if this was NBA from ten fifteen years ago, he'd be a top player. But he goes to the Western Conference um, as an All Star from the East. I don't necessarily know if he's going to be an All Star coming out of the the West with the amount of talent at uh, the I don't point think guard shooting is. guard position. Yeah,
1: uh, uh, that's my hot take for the day. But
0: but like like all those things that I said. San Antonio loves the mid-range. They love ball movement. They love the mid-range. And DeMar DeRozan can certainly um, excel in this system, and uh, probably will. Um, He's certainly taken a liking to Popovich, even though he was really salty about getting traded. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't blame him. I don't um, blame him. But he was really salty about uh, uh, getting traded out of Toronto. But he seems excited to at least play under Popovich. Um, But, yeah, they were able to make the playoffs last year with LaMarcus Aldridge, DeJounte Murray, and then... uh, Old Tony Parker, old Mano Ginobili. Tony Parker obviously is gone now. He's with Charlotte. That'll be weird to see. That's weird. But yeah, like I just don't, until San Antonio is out of the playoffs um, because they just don't make it, I'm mm-hmm. just not going to pick that.
1: I don't know. San Antonio just doesn't excite me. They never really have, to be totally I mean, they're honest, not but... exciting.
0: They're, they're going to methodically beat bad teams. Yeah. They're going to methodically beat teams that are better than them that are coming in lackadaisical. And, um, they do have the Spurs aura to be able to beat a Golden State or beat a Houston because you know the ball just goes through the hoop on that on any given night, so mm-hmm. they're going to win their fair share of games, and I think they're going to win enough games at the right time to basically sneak into the eighth or the seventh seed,
1: yeah, no, I agree, yep,
0: yeah. uh, I guess Minnesota at forty four and a half is the next one if you wanted to take that one, I mean didn't really have any notes on them uh. They're kind of uh, a... I don't know. Minnesota... It's it's tough because a lot of this has nothing to do with basketball.
1: No, it's fine. When it comes to Minnesota, they're one of those teams. Like, last year, I would watch a couple of their games, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, this team's team's pretty good. Like, I really like this team. I like the way they play. And then they would lose games, and I'd be like, oh, well, I mean, it's just Minnesota. Like, whatever. And then, you know, they played really well against the Thunder a couple of times when they were here, and uh, when we went there... But I don't know. Something about the Timberwolves, they just don't really like. They're kind of like the Bucks for me. They just slip between the cracks.
0: It's the Thibodeau factor for me. Um, a A coach that his formula of success or his formula of how to try to achieve success, I should say, I just feel never works because he plays his guys way too damn much. And yeah. it's such he's such a demanding force on the defensive end that if the defense isn't, isn't there, that team has nothing else to show for I mean, Jimmy Butler is an all-star player. He's, he's up there with Paul George, and a lot of people think that he is better than Paul George. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of people mm. do think that, surprisingly. Um, but you saw it last year when Jimmy went down. I mean, Boogie goes down for New Orleans, and everyone thinks New Orleans is going to do the same thing as Minnesota. But New Orleans just got I don't want to say better but they kept winning and they mm-hmm. got into the playoffs and got out of the first round whereas Minnesota just could not respond and they got bounced early in the first round against Houston um but now like I said at the beginning like a lot of this has to do with um a lot of this has to do um with things that aren't basketball Jimmy Butler And Carl Anthony Towns aren't getting along. Um, Andrew Wiggins, I think there's enough film out there to say that he's not a guy. He's not a good scorer. He's not a good defender. He's just a nice little... um, He would have done done much better in Cleveland Mm -hmm. to come off the bench or be a third or fourth guy and use his length uh, along with LeBron and um, Kyrie Irving. But they went the Kevin Love route. Um, There's just not (laughs) a lot that excites me about minnesota and i think the tape is out there um i think they got a lot of wins last year even at um full health basically because it was a team that was kind of scrapped together at the last second so there wasn't Mm -hmm. that kind of that idea that blueprint of how to play them how to beat them and they were able to get a lot of wins because of that um but they are talented enough that i i guess despite all all their flaws they're probably going to get the eight seed
1: yeah No, I agree. I'm very interested to see how Minnesota does this year, just because they were so hit or miss last season. And I think it's going to be about the same, honestly, just because of the coaching they come from and the players that they have. And just there's not a lot going on for me in that organization.
0: I just... I mean Jimmy Butler turns down that um, extension which everybody says that he should have I mean was going to does that necessarily mean he's going to leave Minnesota after this year I mean that's for anyone's that's anyone's guess but I think the writings on the wall that he is going I to I think he will I mean he's probably going to bail um maybe possibly go join up with uh, LeBron James and the Lakers which is what um, a lot of people were predicting already um, but yeah Minnesota is they're like the better version of Memphis in that I they don't excite me. Um, I don't expect that much from them, but they're the opposite in that. They're going to win some games. They're going to get in the playoffs, whereas Memphis is not yeah. going to win many games, and they're not going they're to not get in the playoffs.
1: Playoff. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly.
0: Um, yeah. Moving forward, uh, let's see. We're like halfway done with this uh, lineup New so Orleans. Far. Yeah. New Orleans.
1: Good old NOLA. Take it away. Oh uh, Man, I don't really even have much to say about the Pelicans. Um
0: they added, Julia, they added Julius. they added Julius Randle from LA, which okay, is yeah, yeah. That's big. which is um I mean it's definitely not an upgrade to Boogie Cousins. No. But I think I think it's a better fit because we saw how great New Orleans can be with Anthony Davis being the sole mm-hmm. guy. I mean, Julius Randle is a really good um second like backup plan to Boogie Cousins leaving. Um but he's not good enough that he's going to demand the ball. He's not going to demand to be the guy like Boogie would in that aspect. So I think yeah. it's going to be going to be a better fit, and everyone saw how great Drew Holiday can be. I think he's one of the more underrated guards, mm-hmm. uh, players in the NBA. Uh, but they lost Rondo. He was a large reason why they even got past Portland. He was a large reason uh, for their success going on, uh, down the stretch in the regular season. I mean, everyone wanted to focus on Anthony Davis, but Rondo had a big say in that as well. Um, New Orleans... They're kind of in that same category with me as um Portland, because of that mm. because they were able to garner so many wins at that kind of sweet spot during the regular season, I could definitely see them not like I, they're projected at forty five and a half. I could see them going under.
1: Really. I think Anthony Davis is so underrated sometimes though.
0: Is he underrated?
1: I think he is. I mean I know there's a lot of hype around him but not nearly enough.
0: You're the third person in the last week that I've heard say that is underrated. I've heard I think he's a, underrated. A, I, like Bill Simmons' podcast, can't remember who it was, said that he was underrated. And I was listening to another podcast another show where they thought Anthony Davis was underrated. I I think he's properly rated. Really? I th- I think fans, media um I mean this is this is the era of small ball. He's continuously always all NBA in the era of no one wants to play centers anymore and he's definitely a stretch f- 4 stretch 5 anyway. So you can play him. Um but his biggest thing is just he's on a bad team. Yeah. And he has an injury problem.
1: Where do you think he'd fit better at? Like
0: I mean if he went if I mean, before Boogie went to uh, Gold, <laughs> er, yeah. Before Boogie went to Golden State, Where I mean, the whole like conspiracy theory was he was going to wind up in uh, uh, Golden State. But you know, him, Anthony Davis, yeah. Hmm. But him, him and LeBron, like in LA, in a f- few years or so. I mean, that would be re- that would that would be very exciting. I think that would bring out the best in Anthony Davis. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I feel like what we, I feel like people want to underrate. Anthony Davis because he Maybe plays Maybe I do want to underrate him. <laughs> because he plays for such an average franchise and a team that continuously falls uh, short of expectation. I think Consid- he just
1: gets swallowed there. Like people don't really think that much about him because oh it's Pelicans. Yeah, I don't exactly. Really think I mean, about the Pelicans that much.
0: Sadly New Orleans fans don't really care about the Pelicans. It's a football oh, city. A, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a fun city. It's a party city. Yeah, it's a party city. No one really cares about basketball, which is sad because Anthony Davis is a great player. He's a
1: star. But. I think he's a star.
0: Back to the list. We have reached the Nuggets. The Nuggets, who, wow, 47 and a half. I have some notes on there if you needed to check those um, towards the bottom. Mm. Um, their starting five projected is Jamal Murray at point guard, Gary Harris shooting guard, Will Barton small forward, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic at center. This is, like I said, one of those teams that um, won a lot of games from the tail end of January. I think I had it down. They, uh, Started off five hundred twenty three and twenty three, and then went on a twenty three thirteen run to end the year to barely miss the playoffs. Um, they're a team that plays no defense. Mm. They're a team that wants to get into shootouts, which you can get away with that in the regular season. Uh, but I mean, you you just look at their best players: Jokic, not a defender; uh, Jamal Murray, not a defender; Gary Harris can kind of defend, uh, but is more of a role playing extraordinaire. So a guy that you don't necessarily want to rely on uh, defending your perimeter. Uh, Paul Paul Millsap is a physical presence and a very good passer from the block. But, um, I mean, this this team is just going to come down to if they make that next step in development Mm -hmm. and they ride that momentum that they earned coming out of the season last year.
1: Well, I think Denver, they need to start off stronger. They can't get a slow start because, yeah, they got better and they progressed as the end of the season, but they still missed. And you know you you have to start off strong, you have to keep that going, and I think that's gonna be a big thing for Denver with forty seven and a half um, I would say I would say under,
0: yeah, I would say under, and I think people are really jumping on this uh Denver train because I mean like all the all all the signs are there for them to be an exciting fun regular season team that wins a lot of games, but I know defense is more paramount in the postseason, but at some point you've got to defend somebody. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, every team in the West got better, Denver being one of them. I just, I don't know. And one of, the, one of the underrated lucky things for Denver on that little 23-13 run was I think they played two or three games against Oklahoma City. <laughs> oh. So they basically <laughs> played Oklahoma City without Andre Robertson and when they were going through a tailspin to end the regular season. So, um, there's three wins right there just out of, uh, what, 30, 33 or so yeah. games. Um, yeah, I I definitely think Denver is a playoff team. I just don't know if I'm re- ready to say, like, oh, yeah, they're a near 50-win team.
1: Yeah, no, no. I, I don't really want to talk too highly about Denver just because I'm not fully confident in it. I think, like we were saying earlier, we need to wait until, like, training camp starts up. We need to wait till like, at least preseason and like the very beginning of the season before I can make any kind of judgment on Denver because they just they don't light a fire in me to be honest and it's nothing like bad against the organization I just I think they just really need to start off stronger than they did last season and they need to carry that on because it's just not going to work out for them if they do not
0: well now that all the boring teams are out of the way we have reached the upper echelon of the west Woo! we've got Utah the Lakers the Thunder which everyone's waiting for with bated breath I'm assuming Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors, and you know I know everybody mm. likes to talk about them, but uh, we have to do them because they are in the West. Uh, but let us start with Utah, projected at 48.5 wins. Um, everybody's excited about Utah. They, uh, I'm
1: excited about Utah. They did
0: the underrated offseason thing and basically just rely on continuity and development of their players, which I, I'm huge with that. I think team chemistry is huge. It's one of the reasons why I think the Thunder will have a better um, season this year. Because they'll have that continuity, they'll have that chemistry with Paul George, and they basically won't start off eight and twelve. Uh, we'll get to them later, but I will say this: um, Utah, and I, I put this out on Twitter yesterday, so I will just go ahead and read it verbatim. Um, let's see. On January twenty fourth, the Jazz were what nineteen and twenty eight, and then they went on a they went on to win twenty nine of their remaining thirty five games. And a lot of that had to do with Rudy Gobert was healthy. And we've seen in the past with Utah that um, Gobert, who's had some injury issues in the past, um, whenever he's down, Utah is not a very good team. When he's back, when he's healthy, uh, Utah is a night and day better team. But 29 of your remaining 35 games, and like I said, you're, pl- you're playing teams that are coasting. You're playing teams that are tanking. Um, but my thing with, you, with uh, Utah, if you expect Utah to win at that clip, I mean, I don't know what that win percentage is, but if you expect them to win at that clip, then you're projecting them to win 55-plus at least, and I don't see that. And something that's kind of out there in my head out of left field, it's a kind of a philosophical thing with me. Utah is a team that um, really prides themselves on swinging the ball around, putting the ball in the blender, like they like to say. Uh, ball movements. um, Not having multiple guys hit shots, having multiple guys get into position to score. But now they've got Donovan Mitchell, who is an extremely talented and proven, even um, as a rookie, a proven star in the league, who does well with the ball in his hands, who is a volume scorer. So you had this philosophical difference of you've got a star player and then you've got a team that wants to move the ball. So I, I I'm really intrigued to see how that marriage works. Quinn Snyder's a really good coach and is shown to be able to adapt to different playing styles, different players. Um, but I don't like of the three teams with like LA, the Thunder, and the Jazz, I think Utah's gonna be the worst one in terms of uh, regular season wins
1: yeah no i agree with that i'm really anxious Well, i wouldn't even say anxious i'm pretty eager to see how Grayson allen is going to fit in with this group <laughs> i just i don't know this is probably a very unpopular or popular opinion i think that kid's trouble and i think he has a lot of uh I don't know the right word, angst that he lets out on the court in a very he's, unprofessional. He's a white basketball player. <laughs> and hes It's a little unprofessional to me. And, you know, he's in the big leagues now, so you can't really be pulling that. But um,
0: Yeah, he tried to punk Trey Young, which... Um, I
1: watched that video so many times.
0: I mean, I, I get it from his standpoint. Like, Trey Young's a star. He's a star rookie. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not a star player yet, but he's a star rookie. He's a big name. So you want to kind of create something for yourself. But, I mean, I'm... Bulkier and bigger than bigger than Trey Young, so I mean, I, I if you're trying to like show off the fact that you know you're a gritty player and you're like willing to like basically put your nose in the dirt and like throw throw bows or you know throw down, like don't do it against Trey Young. No, he's like 125 it's, pounds. Well, it's not necessary,
1: Fish. and I think Grayson Allen is just I don't know. I'm I'm kind of scared he's going to try that with like an experienced vet in this league, and they are just not going to have mean, that.
0: I mean, if he's able to play some. He's going to piss off a lot of – like. He's going to piss off a lot of people. He'll piss off Russell Westbrook if, if – <laughs> that, that makes my blood if, go cold. If you piss off Russell Westbrook, it can go one of two ways. It can either kill you um, – not really. I mean, I'm sure he could if he wanted to. With his glare. He, he can kill you on the court, or um, you can see Bad Russ turning the ball over like we saw against yeah. uh, Ricky Rubio and that blood feud, that pointless blood feud from the playoffs last year. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, one of those players like J- Javon Carter um, going to Memphis, one of those players that just perfectly matches, mm-hmm. for the obvious reasons, <laughs> the franchise that he got drafted by.
1: Oh man, that's going to be interesting. So but, what,
0: what do you think is, like, uh, like, let's just say this, of those three teams, LA, OKC, Utah, just go ahead and rank them right now.
1: Man, it's like I, I want to put Oklahoma City above LA just because, you know, that's our team. And I I believe in this team. I believe in those guys, and I'm excited to watch them play. But you can't count off LeBron James and seeing what he's going to do with the Lakers. And, you know, if if anything, it's going to be close, maybe just by like one game. But I honestly think the Lakers might come out on top of the Thunder, and then Utah will be under the Thunder this year. That's just my take on that.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like I kind of feel the same way just because LeBron is such a Such an unknown in terms of, like, we know how great he is, but will he be able to basically pick up the scrap metal that is the L.A. Lakers? I mean, they've got some good young talent that they've retained and haven't traded away smartly, I believe. But that
1: talent needs to stay healthy. Yeah, but that
0: talent needs to stay healthy, Lonzo Ball, and it needs to develop because now the lights are much brighter. It's no longer this is a bad lottery L.A. Lakers team, so we can kind of just ball out and no one really cares because there's not that much pressure. Well, now the pressure's there, and I guess we're already talking about L.A., so we'll just go, Let's ahead, and, just go yeah, ahead with the Lakers. They're 48-and-a-half.
1: You cannot come into this season and just be terrible because you have the king on your team now. So, like, I'm so curious to see how the Lakers start off the season because if they're just, like, tanking right away, I think people are going to be pissed. And I think people are going to be very confused, and it's just going to take all the excitement away, and people are going to just not care right from the get-go.
0: Madison got to see LeBron James in the uh, posing locker room last Man, year when the, Cav- was so cool. when the Cavs came to town, and I believe they beat Oklahoma City. It was like yeah. the second game after they made all those trades. Uh, so it was break like, the brand new Cavs. team. It was a brand team. new
1: Cavs yeah. team, and um, they put it on us. Not so not too bad. What but. was it
0: like to see uh, LeBron James shirtless in a lock in the locker room? It was overwhelming.
1: <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I uh, I've always been a LeBron you know, James you fan. You know why
0: he does that? He just he, oh, he, he just it. does that to make us all feel small. Yes, <laughs> which and he does. He does it very well. Yeah,
1: but you know it was overwhelming. It was cool, but yeah, I don't know. I just like I really do want to see the Lakers do better this year because you have to. You cannot do what you did last season, especially with a superstar on your team now. But at the same time, those youngins, and I'm I'm allowed to say youngins. They're younger than I am, and I'm pretty young. But Steven Adams
0: is younger than me, and it feels so weird. I
1: know. That is weird because he looks like
0: he's 40.
1: But I I need to see Kuzma step up. I need to see Lonzo step up. I mean, he's a daddy now, so he's going to have a lot on his hands. But uh, I, I don't know. I need to see... A lot of people step up to help LeBron because, you know, and, he carried Cleveland, but he can't
0: Yeah, well, he can't uh, always do that. You say what you want about, like, the guys that LeBron had to carry in Cleveland, but at least it was a team made up of veterans that understood their roles. Yeah. Were they able to perform those roles all the time? No, no. They weren't. But they at least understood what they had to do yeah. to basically be on the floor with LeBron James. That's going to be something huge with this Lakers team is, uh, like I said, like, Last year with Lonzo and Kuzma, there was just a lot of excitement because there was no expectation. Um, maybe a lot of people in the organization assumed, okay, we're going to get LeBron James and we're going to get Paul George. Obviously, Paul George stays in Oklahoma City. They thought um, they were going
1: to get Kawhi too. They thought they that were didn't gonna get Kawhi.
0: Happen. So maybe there was a lot. There was a little bit of weird expectation with this team. But these rookies, these young guys, are going to have to figure out how to play alongside LeBron James, and that goes well beyond okay, he likes me to be in the corner or he likes me to be over here so I can give him the ball or I can receive a pass from him. It goes from it, it goes well beyond that. It goes up till, um being a professional, being able to not make dumb, silly mental mistakes like J.R. Smith not knowing what the score was <laughs> or how much time was left. Um, I haven't seen that. I, I've kind of seen that with Kuzma, but it, the off-court antics are a little troubling because this is LeBron James. He's a professional. And I haven't seen that from Lonzo, be, just simply because he wasn't healthy long enough.
1: He was hardly healthy. You barely saw him play. Yeah,
0: we we haven't really even talked about Brandon Ingram. Um, I feel like he's a player that's going to, I guess, benefit the most from LeBron James being there.
1: He played well when they came to Oklahoma City. Brandon did. Yeah,
0: he has all the, he has all the tools to be a successful offensive player, and can be a nice little defensive player just off his length alone. But um, I again, I think he's going to be the one guy that. Um, improves the most from LeBron being there but um so you have them just under Oklahoma City or
1: yeah actually i have them just over Oklahoma City I mean, just
0: i mean it's it's LeBron James so it's something that i don't think Thunder fans would be that surprised of cuz it's LeBron
1: yeah but i think people will be really surprised if the lakers were to slip i mean right now they're projected to have the exact same as the jazz But I think people would be very surprised if they slipped.
0: I mean, the thing with the Lakers, the middle part of the year when depth is very paramount, you know, when like the ankle injuries kind of mount up or the uh, back soreness stuff keeps some players out. That's when you're going to see like, oh, oh, yeah, outside LeBron, um, Brandon Ingram, Kuzma, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball. Oh, yeah, it's Lance Stevenson. It's Michael Beasley. It's JaVale McGee. It's... It's all these, like, castaways, these journeymen that have never really proven to be great teammates or great role players. They've just proven to be, like, Lance is a psycho. He works (laughs) well in Indiana, but he is not good anywhere else outside of Indiana. I can't even
1: picture him anywhere else than Indiana. Because he was good in Indiana. He was strong. He was aggressive. But trash
0: in Charlotte. I don't
1: don't know how he's going to do in Los Angeles. I I think that'll be interesting.
0: He'll blow in LeBron's ear. (laughs) <laughs> As a teammate,
1: that'll be fun.
0: Now the moment everyone's been waiting for, the Oklahoma the Thunder. City Thunder. And they are the first team in the Western Conference that are projected to uh, north of 50 wins. I mean, it is 50 and a half, um, so it's either over or under. Do you think they're going to win 50 or or above 50 or below 50? Um, I've kind of said on the Thunder Basketball Insider Show that we have on Saturday mornings on the franchise here uh, from 10 to noon, so tune into that. Tune in. Um, I've said this on the show a few times. I don't know how much better Oklahoma City is going to be. I think they're going to be better, um, for sure in the win-loss column just because last year they started off eight and 12. And then as soon as Andre went down, they were of around a 500 team. So if they're healthy, they're going to win, I think, at least 50 games. I agree. Um, just from the standpoint of, they're not going to start off eight and twelve. They're not going to spend the whole first two months of the season trying to figure out chemistry. And I'm one of the, I'm one of the Carmelo Anthony stands. He didn't play well, but what he did bring to the table was spacing. And Oklahoma City is certainly going to have to figure out how they're going to replace that spacing. But I think the addition of Schroeder, the addition of Darrells Doell, and the other wing guys like Abdel Nader, um, Timotei Luawu, Cabarro. I think, that, I think the scoring, the 16 points per game, I think that's going to be the easiest thing that Oklahoma City is going to be able to uh, um, replace, especially with Jeremy Grant re-signing with the Thunder. Um, it's just going to come down to health. What ki- type of Andre Robertson are the Thunder going to get day one or whenever he returns? And are they able to build off that chemistry of Russell Westbrook and Paul George?
1: I think a lot's going to be said about who's going to be in that starting five, too. And I don't know. I... Personally, I know a lot of people are saying they want Jeremy Grant in there. And I love
0: Jeremy Grant. I do. I want Jeremy Grant. I totally
1: agree. I mean, I think he's fantastic. But I almost feel more comfortable putting uh, Patrick Patterson in there.
0: I mean, it it makes sense. A, A player like Russell Westbrook, who's really great at driving, kicking, um, you want a guy that can stand in the corner and knock down a three, and that Patrick Patterson has that asset. Jerry Patrick Grant, Patterson
1: is good at that. Yeah,
0: he wasn't very good at it last year. Well, yeah, he had, he had his off. He had he had a really really bad off year. I think he's going to have a better year just because because
1: he acknowledged it too. Yeah. He was like, "This was a bad year."
0: I don't I don't think he's going to be knocked down, uh, uh, Patrick Patterson from Toronto. But I feel like he's going to just be a better player, and even still. He'll be a he'll probably be a starter, in name only. He'll start games, but Jeremy Grant's probably going to get the bulk of the playing time. Mm-hmm. He's going to be he's a switchier guy. He can play the five all the way down to the two that he's proven. Patterson cannot do that, but yeah, he's able to knock down a three, uh, a couple threes here and there, and that works really well with Russell Westbrook. That works really well with Steven Adams, who's then able to basically just own the painted area while Patterson can stretch the floor out a little bit more and he hopefully that, that yeah, hopefully. Patterson's ability to stretch the floor and knock down some shots. That can kind of replace Carmelo Anthony, but it's not going to be the same.
1: I honestly feel like the Thunder are going to come in and start off a little bit slow, but I don't think it's going to be a bad thing. I think it's just going to be a little slow at first, and then they're really going to pick it up because I think, like this team, what I've noticed over the past couple of years is no matter what kind of talent we have on this team, we need a couple games to learn how to mesh with each other and to learn how to play on the court with each other. And I don't know. I'm excited for this Thunder team. I think we have a lot of great new talent. And I don't mean like new to the league. I mean, we have Dennis Schroeder who did some great things in Atlanta when he was able to. I mean, obviously it wasn't too great because the Hawks struggled quite a bit, but... um I don't know. I'm excited to have him as kind of a backup for Russ. I mean, we still have Raymond Felton, who I was pretty confident whenever he would come in. I think the strongest thing about the Thunder is we have a great bench. And I think that's so important to be successful in this league is to have a good bench. And I'm confident in our bench.
0: Yeah, the Thunder bench went from average, below average last year to it could possibly be a strength. Yeah, A lot of this depends on can New Orleans Noel develop into the player that a lot of people think he can be. Um, he has never been able to consistently be that player. But maybe in a lesser role in a better culture with uh, Oklahoma City, maybe you can they can bring out the best in New Orleans. Um, Dennis Schroeder, I mean, a lot of people are questioning whether he and Russ can coexist on the same team. Um, one thing that people aren't bringing up that I'm surprised they're not bringing up is with the subtraction of Carmelo Anthony and the addition of Dennis Schroeder, the Fed are going to get to the line a lot more. The Thunder were not able to get to the line as much as they should have last year, and when they did, they were not very good. Not dropped, good. Like Russell Westbrook had a bad. terrible free throw shooting year. Paul George was, you know, consistent as consistent can be, but he didn't get to the foul line. I don't think as much as he should have. And Mello for sure, did not get to the line at all, which is why every time he would get to the line, it was like, oh, when was the last time he shot a foul shot? Mm-hmm. Oh, two weeks ago.
1: Oh, any I'd see one of our players get to the line, I would just cover my eyes. Yeah. I just so knew it was going to be good.
0: Schroeder, the way he plays basketball, he likes to get, drive to the rim and will get fouled as a result. And he's a good free throw shooter. So I feel like the Thunder are going to get easier buckets as mm-hmm. a result. And if Schroeder is able to basically be the sixth man and just run the second unit um, for the majority of the game, um, he's going to have those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And if the Thunder are able to get um, foul shots, free, um, free points, easy points, it's going to be better for them. Um, it's going to do. It's going to do well to give Russell Westbrook that rest that he needs. Give Paul George the rest that he needs. Give Andre Robertson the rest that he needs early on because mm-hmm. he does. He needs. Th- it. This is a bad injury. Let's not
1: tiptoe around it. Yeah, th- you're going to need it.
0: Yeah, really quick with uh, Andre uh, before we get into the final two teams. Uh, Andre has said that he is going to be ready game uh, day one of training camp. Game one. Um, it's a bad injury. I don't know what type of Andre Robertson we're going to get because a lot of his defensive prowess came from his springiness able to run around screens absorb screens and catch up to his uh, to his guy Mm -hmm. and with this injury I'm just not sure if he's even out there what type of Andre we're going to get
1: I don't know either I feel like it might be a little rushed just because it really was a bad injury and the last thing on earth I want to see is them try to push it and then it just results in a catastrophe and I don't think this team needs this because I really think, you know, now that Melo's gone, last year was supposed to be the year that everyone was super excited about, and I totally get why. And it didn't work out, unfortunately. I'm sorry if people disagree, but (laughs) I don't know. I think people are really excited for this year, and if we can keep these guys healthy, if we give them the rest they need, then that's ideal. So these guys that are on the bench and that are new and— are young and fresh. They need to step up and they need to be able to fill fill those roles of the guys that are going to need to sit down once in a while.
0: Yeah, and, you know, last thing on the Thunder, um, I would prefer Andre not play early on in the year, give him a little bit more time to get acclimated to the speed I of the game. I completely agree. Um, and also, kind of what you were saying, let these other guys figure out how to play defense because, yes, I know Andre Robertson is probably, before he got injured, was probably the best perimeter defender mm-hmm. in the league and they're not taking away anything from Andre at all. But as a team, you cannot put that much pressure on one guy to do so much that because the Thunder were just terrible last year mm-hmm. defensively. And maybe if Andre is healthy, maybe they get past Utah because maybe Donovan Mitchell isn't able to go off like he was in game two and in game six. That's um, bad. Uh, you have Andre there. Maybe that's um, out of the question, but um Paul George needs to be better. Russell Westbrook needs to be better. Uh, the bench unit needs to be better. Uh, just across the board, give give the Thunder a chance to basically learn how to defend mm-hmm. and understand that they need to throw it, um, put it out there on that end of the floor because if Andre comes back and he's 80%, that's mm. not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it for as much pressure as they put on him.
1: No, because that means he's going to be 78% on defense and 2% on offense.
0: So yes, Oklahoma City projected at fifty and a half. Do you think they win north of fifty, or do you think they win 50, like exactly fifty, or are they going to win forty-nine?
1: I think they are going to win. I think it's going to be a little under. And I, when I say under, I mean like forty-nine. Maybe I maybe really, I'm, maybe I'm like,
0: a sunshine pumper with this Thunder team right now. But I just I really loved what we saw with Russ and Paul on the floor by themselves. Mm-hmm. I like the extra year of continuity. I like the core that they've been able to develop, and now. They finally go into a season where they're not having to cater to a player in order to hopefully get them to stay. There's none of all that's out of the window. And and I'm sure that team, the team doesn't necessarily focus on that as much as fans and media do. But they at least don't have that to worry about. So I think Mm -hmm. all that is going to and, of course, if healthy, all that's going to result in the Thunder winning, I think, at least 51 games.
1: I mean, I hope you're right just for this team's sake, for this city's sake these people really need that and i think this team really needs it and I, I want it for them and i agree with what you said i think that russ and paul george mesh so much better together than like rusted with carmelo or when paul was with carmelo and i don't know i think it's just going to be a very different playing style out there just because we don't have certain people out there anymore <laughs> if you're catching my drift
0: um so yes that is Oklahoma City. We uh, shall see. Let's let's skip Houston for 5 seconds because let's just go to Golden State. They're going to win 60 they're going to win that many games. They're going to win. They're the, going to win. Yeah. They're,
1: they're, they're, they're they, gonna add,
0: win. they they added Boogie Cousins. I mean, there's not that much else you could say I have, unless unless someone gets hurt.
1: I honestly have not much to say about the Warriors except for let's just pre- be prepared to see them in the finals again and see them popping champagne bottles again because Yeah.
0: barring a an injury and in health uh yeah. Golden State's like, going to win a title. They're going to be the best team in the West, and, and especially with, and we'll get into Houston in a few seconds, but especially with what Houston did in the offseason, mm-hmm. they're going to be the one seed.
1: Man. So. I just am so ready for another team to take over the West. Preferably the Thunder. <laughs> but
0: uh... <laughs> Tell me about Houston. It's well, last team. Last team. They're 54-and-a-half, uh, the second seed projected. Um, they lost Lucanba Mute, mm-hmm. lost Trevor Ariza. They're gaining... Carmelo Anthony Mm -hmm. and they had the attitude of just uh, run it back
1: yeah I don't know I'm interested to see how because Melo is very insistent I'm not coming off the bench I'm going to be in your starting five so I'm very curious to see how he's going to mesh with Clint Capella with James Harden with Chris Paul and see like how healthy these guys are going to be I I personally like uh, Clint Capella a lot I like his playing style and I think he needs to get better what kind, what kind
0: of Pell are we going to get? Uh, uh, like this is this is a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. He obviously didn't get the money he wanted to get. No, um, but he's he's paid less than Stephen Adams who is a player that they're constantly um mm-hmm. compared against one another. They they were both kind of similar projects coming out of uh, uh into the draft, I should say. Um Stephen Adams is getting a lot of money and a lot of that has to do with the 2016 money. Mm-hmm. You know, Pell not going to get that, but there's still that I guess that's That edge of, like, I should get mine. So what type of Capella are we going to get is going to be a factor that I'm going to think about. Um, But with their losses and what what they're trying to add, I don't get it. I really don't. They had the tools to get past Golden State, and they basically said, let's just go all in on names. Mm -hmm. Let's just get Capella. Let's just get Carmelo and try and run it back, and I just don't see it.
1: I almost feel like Houston just kind of settled. I feel like they were just, they were pretty happy with what they had. And I don't think they made moves to get better. I think they made moves to just start over and like, not necessarily like completely start over, but just like start over and have the exact same season that they just had mm-hmm. and then try to make it a little farther this time. And I think they were okay with that. And I don't really understand why.
0: They're going to be – Houston fans are going to be pissed off that um, fourth year that they gave Chris Paul. Um, I mean, this is a guy that has proven in the last few seasons cannot be depended depended upon to remain healthy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's because he's a shorter guy and he puts more – therefore puts more stress on his body to keep up with the more athletically talented, the bigger, the faster, the stronger uh, guys that he has to defend on a night-to-night basis. Um, but it's just, it's out there now. Chris Paul is an injury issue. And then James Harden, for as great as he is, he's the uh, reigning MVP right now, uh, certainly deserving of the MVP. Um, but as great as he is, we've seen, um, even going back to his days with the Thunder, the later you get in the year, the worse he gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, once he's not able to get to the foul line as easily as he is in the regular season and early on in the postseason, his game drops. Mm-hmm. His, his shot doesn't fall. And he's a swing door on defense. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to bring anything on that end of the floor. So if that's your second best guy, um, there are concerns there. And then you add Carmelo Anthony, who, like you said, is not going to want to come off the bench. At he's least. not going
1: to. He's stubborn. And that's yeah. not a bad thing. I'm not, like, docking him by telling people that he's stubborn. I just think he's going to want to do what he wants to do. And I feel like we're kind of in an age right now in the NBA where players are starting to tell coaches, like, I'm going to do this. Deal. Okay. Oh yeah, it's, not it's,
0: it's definitely a player's league. Um, I again, I know Houston is not as pass happy as they are kind of made out to be. They're more of an isolation team, and they're an admitted isolation team. And Mello certainly brings a good isolation game, mm-hmm. but it's not it's not a perimeter based isolation game. It's a mid range isolation game. And maybe Chris Paul and James Harden are able to bring out the gold mine that is Carmelo Anthony because I understand the allure of Carmelo Anthony. I understand the allure that a GM in a front office might feel like Sam Presti felt last year. I can be the one that unlocks the role-playing Carmelo Anthony. I don't know if Houston's going to be able to do that. I mean, this is certainly a better chance because I think Russell Westbrook's a better player than Chris Paul. Oh, I, I think Chris Paul I is a agree. better point guard than Russell Westbrook, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I'm interesting. I also feel that the system of Houston is more conducive to bringing out that role playing Carmelo Anthony than Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to see it or not is going to be the completely different issue. And hold on, Mark Stein just tweeted out Carmelo Anthony is still very much signing with Houston, but league sources have indicated since July. Uh, but Melo has been a part of the NBA's PA traffic. Hold on. This is awesome podcasting. Eh, Never mind. It's nothing. (laughs) Anyway, he's probably... Nothing interesting? Yeah, he's probably going to sign with... um, Yeah, he's probably going to sign with Houston.
1: I mean, we all knew that. But anyway. I don't know. I think Melo... Like, with all due respect to Melo, he deserves all the respect, but he's going to have to learn how to play with this Houston team because I don't think he ever learn to play with the Oklahoma City team because I don't think he really wanted to I think he just kind of wanted to play the way that he's always played and he liked that way and so if he's going to be super super successful at Houston and kind of like take away the doubts that people have on him right now then he's gonna have to learn how to mesh and he's gonna have to learn how to play the way that Houston is wanting him to play and I'm not saying like he's gonna have to come off the bench because fine you know you've been in this league long enough you you we're not going to tell you to like sit on the bench, but he's going to have to learn how to comply with orders and with coaching and with other people's playing style that is on the same team as he is. And I, I know he said that he felt rushed here in Oklahoma City and they just never had time to kind of learn off of each other before they were thrown into the season. I don't think that's true at all. I think he just really didn't want to. And so I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be there but uh, at this 54 and a half wins I predict them to be under that.
0: Yeah, I, I know you can't push 54 and a half because I think like after the um, I, I think after the, uh, the the losses of Mbamute and Ariza, I think I said on the radio I was like, "Well, they're about a they're a less than 55 win team," so I probably said 54. So I can't <laughs> I can't say push, but um, I mean, they're going to win a lot of games. They're, they still have a lot of talent and just James Harden and Chris Paul alone. Um, Clint Capella is a great fit for James Harden and Chris Paul, just a, kind of another DeAndre Jordan, catch a lob, uh, finish, finish plays, that kind of thing. Um, I just I don't like what they lost. I don't like the going all-in on names and trying to outscore people because for as bad defensively as Houston is overall, they still had some talent on defense last year that was that were able to do a lot of good things for them mm-hmm. and they just let them walk. Yeah. And I just maybe like, it's okay to be arrogant, especially when you were a hamstring away from beating golden state, but you didn't win anything. Mm-mm. You only got James Harden's MVP. Finally, we don't have to like crown it James Harden anymore. Um, he finally got it. But um, yeah, I, I would say 54 is pretty fair for Houston. Um, but yeah, that, that, um, I guess that kind of just ends up the uh, kind of us running through the whole Western Conference. We only did it in about an hour and 12 minutes. So thank you to everybody that is still uh, listening to the show. Um, but I just had, um, while Madison was talking, I went ahead and ranked my, um, my one through eight seeds. Um, and we'll revisit this later on once we get closer to training camp. But as of now, I mean, to no surprise, I've got Golden State one, Houston two, OKC three, the three seed. Um, um, the Lakers at four, Utah at five, uh, Denver with the six seed, Minnesota jumping San Antonio for the seven seed and San Antonio with the eight seed, which means, uh, New Orleans, Portland, Dallas, teams like that are going to be missing the playoffs. But, uh, Mass, if you want to go through yours.
1: All right. So pretty similar to Brady's, I had Golden State at one, obviously I did leave Houston at two, but I actually bumped Los Angeles to three just because I think LeBron is going to do some incredible things there. But only time will tell. I did put OKC at four. Uh, I left Utah at five. Same as Brady. I bumped up San Antonio. This might be walking out on a limb right now, but I bumped up San Antonio to the sixth seed. I put Denver at the 7th and Minnesota at number
0: 8. San Antonio at 6. I like that.
1: I don't know. Maybe I just believe in pop too much, but I think he's going to try something different this year because he lost a star in Tony Parker and he gained DeMar DeRozan. So, uh, I don't know. I feel like he's going to try something new and I think the Spurs are going to surprise people. If
0: DeJounte Murray is able to make that leap that a lot of people are assuming he's going to make just because... Um, then, yeah, I could definitely see San Antonio winning a lot more games than they're projected and maybe sneaking into the middle of the pack more so than the bottom. So, um, But, yeah, there you have it, everybody. That is our Western Conference uh, kind of rundown. Uh, we spent a little bit of time on Oklahoma City. Um, I was talking to Madison before the show. I'm sure whenever I – whenever we, we could probably go through the Eastern Conference uh, teams if you guys would want us to. Just hit us up on Twitter. Um, this up on any outlet we'll put this we'll be sure to put this out as everywhere as much as possible just so you guys can devour the content um but we'll we'll probably do some more like shows where we focus primarily on Oklahoma City kind of more of a thorough breakdown mm-hmm. eastern conference teams as well but um other than that yes this is what you can expect not this long like once the season starts um after you know 82 games uh, they'll be a little bit more short, sweet, and concise.
1: They'll be more focused yeah. on Oklahoma City and whatever team they played that night. But Yeah, yeah
0: and we're basically building this from the ground up. So uh, we've got a lot of um, cool people that will be able to help us out um, with Thunder coverage. I mean, Matt Ravis, um, uh, Jerry Ramsey, John Hamm. Aaron uh, Davis. Aaron Davis. I mean, we've got a lot of great people. And then the unnamed interns that we will be adding at some point that will be able to help us. So uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Uh, hopefully you guys jump on and join in on the fun and uh, just make it make it worth our while. We'll make it worth your while, we promise. But um, yeah, uh, Madison, any uh, last thoughts, any concerns, any uh, excitement going into the more to the dead part of the year?
1: I mean, no, that'll pretty much do it. We really hope you guys follow along as the Thunder season starts because we'll definitely be breaking down Thunder wins, Thunder losses, just the program in general. And uh, yeah, give us some feedback if you have anything you want us to talk about anything you want to hear because we are excited to do this so we hope you guys jump on board and i don't know i'm excited for the season just after talking about all this i really hope that some of our predictions are accurate and some of them could be even very wrong so
0: boomer sooner madison go pokes (laughs) orange power baby and with that we sign off on the initial okc82 podcast thank you all for listening in and until next time we'll see you guys later